0: Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of In the Ring with Acacia Clement. This program is brought to you by the Maryland Horse Breeders Association. It pays to race Maryland breeds in Maryland right now at Laurel Park. Maryland breeds racing in open overnight races receive a fifteen percent owner bonus and a fifteen percent developer bonus for finishing first, second, or third. In addition, Maryland breeds in forty-five thousand dollar maiden claiming races are eligible to waive the claiming price. There's no better time. Time to breed and race in Maryland. And you can learn more about the advantages of breeding and owning Maryland breads at Marylandthoroughbred.com. We are back on In The Ring with another episode. Um, I'm recording this intro on December 30th. So it is crazy to think that 2022 is basically over. Um, it has been a wild, a wild year. It has been a year with So much going on um, for me personally and professionally continuing on with this show which has been a lot of fun and some wonderful guests and just want to say a huge thank you to everybody who has listened who has shared who has sent me positive feedback about In The Ring and especially to all my guests who have taken the time to be on the show and to lend their voices and and actually make it possible as well and a big thank you to uh, Jonathan Kinchin and Pete Fornital for giving me this space to um, talk about this little corner of the thoroughbred industry Um, so really just feeling very, very grateful Um, professionally as well. Um, Of course, me going on with the New York Racing Association full time this year, and then personally getting married in 2022, which is obviously a huge piece of the past year for me and um, definitely my favorite part. And The biggest reason that 2022 will always hold a very, very special piece of my heart. So, um, feeling very happy, very grateful, uh, a little bit wistful, as is always the case as we start to wrap up the year, but really excited to see what 2023 may hold. Um, And my guest on today's episode definitely has, I know, a lot of mixed emotions as we wrap up the 2022 season. And I'll let him describe exactly what he's feeling he does so eloquently. We'll get right into it. And thanks again for joining me today and for every episode of In the Ring. As we wrap up 2022, I am very happy to welcome in trainer Rick Shawsberg to look back over the past year and really a, a truly wonderful career in racing that uh, is not ending, of course, but retiring from racing at the end of the year. Rick, thank you so much for joining me today. I guess first, uh, how are the emotions? What are you feeling? As I know you said, uh, I know you've been really kind of talking about coming up to this moment quite a bit.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, I don't want to say bittersweet, but it's, it's very, you know, mixed emotions. You know, mm-hmm. I, I walked onto the backstretch at Belmont Park in the late 70s. And uh, while I was still uh, in high school and, you know, through my high school years and college years, I really never left because I did all my on my summer, uh, my summer vacations were, were spent working, uh, in, in barn 30 over there, uh, in the galloping barn when Walter Kelly was, uh, when Walter Kelly was training and I worked for him as a hot walker and a groom and, uh, and, you know, that backstretch has been, you know, kind of been my home for, mm-hmm. you know, for almost, you know, for 50, almost 50 years. And, um, that being said, um, you know, there were, there were many moments where, uh, yeah, I've had some great, 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 uh, moments in, in my racing, uh, training mm-hmm. career, um, and and certainly uh winning an eclipse award with maria's mon and and having the the great run we have with the firm success and as indicated winning our first grade one stake uh, as a young trainer um and and all the support that we've we've had for a you know a relatively small stable has been phenomenal um met a lot of great people and uh and and really uh really in, enjoyed uh doing what we do and then getting into representation with nytha mm-hmm. um in in 2010 and uh you know at the at really at the at the beginning phases of of organized aftercare throughout mm-hmm. the industry with the taa being being formed and uh, then you know our take two and take the lead program with rick violet as its is uh, its founder and and uh, and and really wrote the blueprint um, not only with with take the lead and take two but he was also one of the original uh, founders and directors of, of the taa mm. and that really has uh, that really has has been a gratifying Eye opening, innovative um, initiative. Uh, and as you know, as, as one of our, you know, Africa representatives, having your own uh, accredited facility uh, organization mm-hmm. in Connecticut, that it's, it's ultimately necessary, mm-hmm. you know, um, to make sure that these horses have a safe haven, a safety net, an organized uh organized method of highest standards and practices for horses uh transitioning from the racetrack for the majority of the rest of their life you know most of their life is is after racing um and the industry owes it to them and uh so you know that's been a great initiative uh with with take the lead and and uh rick violet was my mentor um you know gave me a lot of great advice kind of handed the ball um over to me and andy Belfiore. uh they they really uh, were the architects of the of the two uh of the two programs and uh, rick was uh when he was president he was in the midst of uh battling workman's compensation uh, and, and other initiatives and um, asked if I, you know, he thought I'd be a perfect fit for the after, you know, after care and retirement uh, committee uh, chairman and took over, take the lead um, when he passed away so early in his, in his life a career. Um, and uh, so we've, we've, I think we've done him proud. Um, his legacy lives on and I don't think there's, there's anybody in the industry far and wide that has, um, uh, that has done more to jumpstart, uh, a, a, uh, an initiative, a practice of, of highest standards for, uh, for retirees. And it's blossomed into so many different, uh, uh different disciplines for for thoroughbreds transitioning um with the hunter and jumper take two and the rrp and hits and and all the other you know uh activities that these thoroughbreds can do uh through you know their obvious athleticism but their their innate uh, ability to learn uh different disciplines is is really fantastic Mm -hmm. so that you know that part of my uh, career still is ongoing. And um, I'm looking to enhance my my role in that. And I'm on the board of the TAA and sit on uh, different committees. Um, I'm also on taking a position on the Haiza um, advi- Horseman's Advisory Committee, and we will um, part of our future initiatives once once Heiser gets uh, back up and running through the court system and, and we can we can keep charging ahead and and you know really tweaking it so that it fits the our industry at every uh, every facet of our industry um, we'll have an aftercare initiative involved with that too and I think that's going to be something that uh, you know not only shows industry responsibility, but it'll it hopefully be a rule of law with regards mm-hmm. to ownership and responsibility. And you know everybody that that uh, has anything to do with the industry really has a responsibility to these horses because without them, we would be, uh, you know we'd be rolling dice.
0: And it is amazing what you and and the team have done. And I think particularly, as you mentioned, with what started with Rick Violet and passed on to you and really kind of being that liaison for the horsemen. And I i don't know anybody on the backside who doesn't have something positive to say about all the work that you've done. And of course, horses have given all of us so many incredible opportunities and and uh, have given us so much over the years. But where did that true passion for aftercare come for you? When did it kind of click in saying, this is really something that I, I need to focus on and make sure that the industry continues to focus on more
1: well you know i'm i'm, I'm sitting here right now on the farm that i grew up on not far from here, over here in uh in, in golden's bridge uh just on the other side of the the border there and we always had um we had broodmares and foals obviously but um we always had retirees and, and thoroughbreds and we we showed uh, thoroughbreds early on and, and my sister and i both showed she was much better than me, and I, <laughs> I, I knew my way around a, uh, a rake and a broom and a pitchfork, <laughs> and, and I learned how to back up a trailer. But um,
0: backing up a trailer is not easy, by the way.
1: Yeah, oh, I know, I know, I, I know. It takes it takes a little bit of practice <laughs> and a couple of bumps and dents. Um, but uh, and and even when when we moved to uh, our, our house in in. Uh, in, in Muttentown, uh, my wife and I had um, Three Chopped Road, which was my first racehorse that I ever had. Mm-hmm. And he retired after his 99th start. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a great my first grade one stakes winner was as indicated and um, after winning the Pimlico Special and giving him a year off he ran once and got beat ahead and re injured a, a soft uh, a suspensory so they I had those two out in my backyard for eight years. Um, and we, me and, and uh, some friends from the racetrack, we did some hunt trials with them and, uh, okay. and then they ended up doing some therapeutic work down in Lexington, Kentucky at Green Hill Therapy with, uh, with Shirley Jerkins, yeah. who ran that uh, program down there uh, early on in her career. Um, and so it's kind of always been there and maybe that's, you know, maybe that's why Rick thought it was a good fit and, uh, you know, I I've, I've very rarely laid my head, you know, far away from, you know, uh, uh, a, a horse somewhere, you know, in, in my midst. So, um, but as I saw the, the blueprint for the plan, um, it looked like a not only viable, but I think it was obvious that it was needed and if you could work out um the funding to cover the cost of a of a program like ours and i'm not talking about the ta i'm talking about in new york with the Mm -hmm. take the lead program really and um you know uh, once once you figured the finances out and then you can gain the trust of the horsemen because basically it was up to us um, what to do with horses when they retired and and back then you know it it, nothing was yeah nothing was was really organized and and you certainly couldn't track where these horses went and i'm sure you know uh even up until a few years ago, and even now, these horses end up in rough situations if they don't go through a program like ours and end up in a TAA accredited facility, which which has you know all the like I said before the highest standards, background checks, uh, ad- adoption screening second to none, um, and uh, and and so now we have a network. Whereby transition programs like Take the Lead can get these horses uh, expeditiously to safe haven and and proper rehabilitation and and proper full proper and purposeful second careers. So you know it, it it took a while to set the program up. It took a while as the TAA was growing, we were growing and it took a little time to gain the trust of the horsemen um and once they saw that you know really all it is is fill out a couple of forms and we take out we take on the rest of the logistics mm-hmm. and um you know having the cooperation uh in in our uh in our network with veterinarians and with van companies and certainly you know the advent of it has really helped us all um you know you can you with email uh and and being able to to um transfer diagnostics in real time um so you know uh things like x-rays and and uh ultrasounds and and uh mris and you know if it, if it gets to that point um, it, it makes it that much easier, you know, and, and I can do it from the back of my pony, you know, and I do, and and <laughs> uh, I, I've been pulled over for doing it. And my pony, <laughs> up, you know, uh, in the coffee truck, you know, <laughs> begging for food while I'm texting away or trying to, to figure out when we're going to load a horse for aftercare. <laughs> but, but, but that being said, I mean, that's the point is that, you know, we, we've grown technologically and we can, we can, you know, process, uh, I, I, don't, I don't like saying process because it sounds so mm. generic and, and, you know, we're dealing with flesh and blood, but we can, we can process a horse's, um, uh, uh, his, his profile, uh, very quickly and get all the information within an hour, to an aftercare facility and let them tell us where that horse fits, uh, when the availability will be for stall space. Then we go ahead and start making, you know, the the uh, transportation arrangements, and we cover the cost of all that because um, the the horsemen in New York have have uh, and, and the New York Thoroughbred Horsemen's Association, the breeders, and and with the TAA, you know, we have the funding to do all that stuff mm-hmm. and make sure. It gets done, you know, quickly because you know, we're moving between 150 and 180 horses a year.
0: Yeah. And it's really amazing and I applaud again just so much the work that you've done. But you really too have been a true champion for New York, of of course, with a, the aftercare programs that have been established in New York and have been such a key component, I think, to kind of rounding out how much New York supports its horses and its horsemen and women on the backside too, but also um, we've had a long history of of supporting the horsemen and the members on the backside, the New York breeders, as you mentioned, um, somebody like Vivian Malloy comes to mind, who I know you have such a long relationship with, and she's really kind of an emblem of the New York breeding program. Can you talk a little bit? About those relationships and just uh, why it is so important to focus on all of those facets in the state of New York.
1: Well, yes, yeah, certainly. You know, the breeding, the the racing industry is we're the we're the third big, uh, probably the second biggest ag behind mm-hmm. uh, behind dairy in, in New York. And I know there's wine, and I know there's apples, but and dairy gets supplemented. So I would say we're the number one horses. Mm-hmm. In New York, are really the number one true uh, agricultural industry here in New York, and um, the New York breeders. Uh, uh, I, I know it, it. I know the New York breeders intimately. My father was the president of the New York Thoroughbred Breeders in the very early '80s, when it was uh, all the all the legislation for the Breeding and Development Fund was was all the language for the legislation was being written. He was an integral part of that. He had ties to not only um, the, the the government here in New York, but the government also um, on Capitol Hill. And he had a, a just an incredible passion for horse racing. Um, mm-hmm. I remember the very first horse that he he owned was a horse named Total Line, ran for 1,500 claiming at Charlestown, oh, Shenandoah Downs, I'm sorry, Shenandoah <laughs> Downs in 1972. And I was in the wind picture with a slice of pizza and a vintage, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh but yeah and vivian vivian uh, sat on the board uh when my father was was, was heading that organization the breed, the New York Thoroughbred Breeders and you know it, it, the the breeders in New York the McMahons and and Sequel and you know the Sugar Maples and uh Irish Acres i mean you, the, the list is endless i mean we have mm-hmm. such a great incentive program and the New York breads have come such a long way. Um, I mean, you, you go back to like Wynn, who was the first billionaire yeah. millionaire New York bread, and then you go, you know, of course, funny side. And there's just been so many New York breads that have been that have competed that it's it's not that much of a novelty anymore to see a New York bread win a grade one stake or compete in a grade one stake. And it's because the program uh is is amongst the best in the country and it, it's the economic impact of of our racing industry in new york is it, it it's so important to the economy of new york there's not a there's not a county in new york that doesn't mm-hmm. have horses in it and um you know we, we just the, the racing industry itself is uh, you know about three about five billion dollars worth of uh we're, we're, worth of commerce and revenue for for New York state and, you know, tens of thousands of jobs, 25 to Mm -hmm. 35,000 jobs in in the state of New York. And uh, we as a horseman's group and the breeders and Naira are in lockstep. When we go up to albany and 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 we have to show the you know, the the uh, the good work that we're doing you know not only with our racing product but um, with our education and um, health uh, health and welfare of, of the backstretch workers uh, health and welfare of the 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 thoroughbreds um, we've we recently passed the anti-slaughter bill here in New York uh, with through uh, both houses and signed by the governor, and that had to do with not only uh, the the, the obvious uh, making uh, making slaughter and anything that has to do with the horse heading into that situation Mm -hmm. is now illegal. Um, but also microchipping every horse uh, that walks onto the grounds if they hadn't been microchipped by by mandate through the jockey club and they're older we had it we, we had an inset, uh, a program for microchipping every horse that didn't have a microchip on the grounds and that went flawlessly and it was a you know that was a, a combined effort of NItha and NIRA and the TRPB and the horse identification the gaming Commission Um and so you know you you, you want to you, you have to keep showing your relevance even though you know it's there you still have to go up there and represent yourselves mm-hmm. and make sure that uh, our representatives not only for the counties and, and the uh, municipalities that have uh, an economic direct economic impact of horse racing but but also the the representatives that are also going to be voting on some of these pieces of legislation um that uh, that are going to make sure that our industry thrives and and thereby their their constituents also thrive so you know that's that's the area that i'm moving more into as i get mm-hmm. out of uh the actual training um i'll still be on the backstretch and i'll still be you know, running the uh the, the program with Kristen mason at, at Nitha and andy belfiore who's my executive director for take two um i'll still be out there in the morning and also you know all the safety initiatives that night represents um and uh i just will be doing it maybe a couple hours later in the morning than norm- <laughs>
0: As everybody knows, a trainer gets up very early, and you mentioned a horse like Maria's Mon. Um, a firm success is another one that I always enjoy hearing his story, and um, we have the stake named after him in New York too. Can you reflect back on, on some of the big horses throughout your career, and maybe even some of the ones that people hadn't heard about so much, but just really made an impact? Because at the end of the day, those long days, the really early hours, all the other things that go beyond just the training of horses that's what makes it all worth it
1: oh yeah there's there's no doubt about it i mean certainly in, in my career um the horse that stands out the most is a firm success because mm-hmm. he was uh he was my first million dollar horse he earned over two two million dollars he ran in four breeders cups he was a multiple grade one stake winner um he was versatile on the dirt on the turf seven furlongs was his was his wheelhouse um but he could you know he's won stakes going a mile on a dirty won the naira mile cigar mile um uh call it what you <laughs> what you want but he, he won that on a sloppy track uh he won the forgo he won the Vosberg uh you know he he was just such a cool horse mm-hmm. um and unfortunately he never got to be a champion he was runner up sprint champion when re beat him in his first breeders cup uh, sprint um but at six furlongs he just wasn't as effective but at seven furlongs he was almost unbeatable winning like the general george and uh and the forego and the vossberg races like that um but maria's mon obviously um two-year-old champion 1995 and arguably one of the best crop of Mm two-year-olds um Ever to, ever to be on the racetrack at the same time. You had horses like Louis Couture's, you had horses like Editor's Note, um, Honor and Glory, uh, Hennessy, uh, Unbridled Song. Uh, these were all horses in that crop. Skip Away, we never ran against him, but he was in that crop mm-hmm. as well. Um, but he really just towered over them when he, when he got the, in, in like the Champagne and, and the Futurity um, winning going away. And unfortunately, right before the Breeders' Cup, he did get hurt and had to have surgery and was mm-hmm. never the same after that. But his legacy lives on as mm-hmm. he was a top sire. Um, Mrs. Abercrombie recently passed away from Pinocchio right. farm and bought half of them, uh, from the Rosenthal's and she did the right thing. You know, she marketed him well, here's a, here's a two-year-old champion. His breeding was modest, but it was hickory. P.G. Johnson had a lot to do with, with his, with his, his breeding with, with Dr. Uh, Pug Hart, uh, who was our racing manager. But if you go back in his pedigree, it's just hickory, a lot of Nascara, hard knocking, distance, turf with speed. um, And he's passed it on. I mean, he had, he had a, a Kentucky Derby winner in his first crop had another Kentucky Derby winner later on he's had a sprint champion he's had a turf champion Um, and now as you know unfortunately he passed away at 12 which was really too early for a horse like him but now you start seeing him in the second third generations as a broodmare sire or a sire of sires and uh, those horses are really performing well out there on the Mm-hmm. On the race track and in uh, graded stakes as well. So, yeah, certainly your, you know, my, my one and only Eclipse Award was really exciting. And that was in my early 30s. And that was, you know, just, just coming, just getting a little well more well known just outside the aqueduct inner track circuit. <laughs> um, but there were horses like Mossflower, who is a tremendous mare. She won the Hempstead by 12 lengths um which is now the Ogden Phipps Stakes um and she went a mile in the 16th and 139 and 4. uh she was just an outstanding mare uh by affirmed as well as a matter of fact it was the same year as a firm success obviously that was one of my biggest biggest earning years that year um I had a horse named claimed a horse named Cadianus who's uh went on to win stakes and was a top sire here in New York and in Kentucky um trained a horse named stop traffic uh who was a stakes winner graded stakes placed horse here in new york um who ended up we sold her she got hurt and we sold her to sale uh for three hundred thousand or something like that went out to california mandela got her uh for gerald ford and they came back to New York and won the Ballerina. Long story short, she's the uh, she's the dam of cross traffic.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, top sire and uh, and and multiple grade stake winner here for for top pletcher. Um, so there's just been so many um, my parents trained. We had a horse named personal bid who is uh, a stakes. So a matter of fact, she's buried right out here on the farm. She had her own stake race named after her in New York Was my dad's favorite horse and um there's just been so many uh i've had pentatonic Uh, i think we've had seven uh, state champions including um i think we've had five or six in new york we had a florida bred state champion with the philly named sovereign kitty uh, who won the cotillion Um, and we actually had an illinois bred champion named winning actress for ken ramsey uh who broke her maiden at saratoga and then we took her out to hawthorne and she won the debutante wow. and so they, she was named three-year-old uh, illinois bred champion back <laughs> in the day so yeah it's been a great career it really has i mean there's a, there's a lot of long days at aqueduct and um you know i always you know you have those days we call them rearview mirror days where you just really look forward to seeing that aqueduct gate in your rearview mirror and uh, <laughs> we've had a few of those but um you know it's been great i've had great help um really have i've had i think my my average uh, groom and hot walker and exercise rider has been with me for 15 years that's the Amazing. average i've had them yeah. there for years. 20 years so you know it's been a, it's been a great run and uh the horses will be transferred over on sunday to uh the clear stars horses will be going over to dave duggan he's he's already he's already moved into my barn so we've been training together and we'll be breezing horses together tomorrow um and a couple of horses the vivian malloy horses are going to go over to uh, to dave donk also so i have something to do with the daves and the dds so dave <laughs> donk I don't know how that worked out, but they're both really top trainers, top yes. horsemen. Good philosophy, same philosophy. Um, uh, not that nobody has the same philosophy out there. Health and welfare come first, and um, and I'm looking forward to to seeing what they can do in the future. And uh, and and I'm just, you know, I'm just very grateful for all the support that I've had from, from Heatherwood farm at the very beginning to clear Star stable here a, at the end. And of course, Vivian Malloy has been there the whole time. I was a groom for her horses back when I was a kid. And she, mm-hmm. you know, she, she, her, she had two farms and one farm was right here across the street from my high school. So we go back a long, long way. And, um, you know, all, all the support we've had from, mm-hmm. from every, the jocks, jocks agents and the racing office and the stall office, of course. And, uh, you know, it's just been, it's been very grateful and it's been, it's been, it's gratifying to be able to give back too.
0: And you obviously have such a knowledge of the, the breeding side and the pedigrees, and you've had some good two-year-olds recently too, in particular, New York bred two-year-olds with Clear Start. Do you think you'll stay involved on the sales side of things and looking for young horses at all?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, I've had, uh, I I enjoy doing it. Um, I I enjoy looking at uh, uh, the two-year-olds. We haven't done so much with the yearlings. We used to buy yearlings back for Heatherwood Farm. We'd kind of split it up uh, 50-50 between yearlings and two-year-olds. But we've had had a lot of success over the last three or four years um, at the OBS and the Timonium sale. Um, We've had stake winners in the last... Three sets of two-year-olds or stake horses, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, in the last uh, in the last three crops, I think you know. I think they have a really nice horse in, in Don't Lose Cruz,
0: mm-hmm.
1: who's uh, very very talented, and he's good. He's maturing. Uh, he's cost himself a couple of wins. I think he cost himself a win in the stake the other day because he was kind of lollygagging with the horse next to him. Um, not that that horse is is any slouch, but uh, he was he was more uh concentrating more on bullying him and laying on him (laughs) job done and and irad who wrote him was very frustrated with him And uh, he said, Rick, all I had to do is keep him straight, and that horse wouldn't have passed him. And all he, you know, he kind of, he was hurting with him. So they're going to put, they'll put blinkers on him. Uh, He's got a tremendous amount of speed, but it's not for the speed. I think he needs to concentrate more. And we've been trading him with blinkers, and uh, I've seen a big difference in him uh, lately. And uh, we've got a couple other uh, horses in there. The the couple of the fillies have come around. We we put them into spots where where they could. getting a little bit of more confidence with uh, luna Loca um and uh, and pebble lane um they both broke their maiden impressively as as well so i think you know it looks it looks like um you know the the two-year-old turning three crop for clear stars uh is 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 going to be pretty formidable and then the three-year-olds turning four we have two stake horses boss making boss moves who's who's. You know, if if you look at his racing, if you look at his form, you know he's a little schizophrenic. You know, he runs huge, huge. He loves the slot. That I can say for sure. He runs huge, 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 and then he just packs it in. So we're gonna we sent him to the farm for a couple a couple of months to clear his head, and then we have that uh, unique unions who's a tremendously talented horse. Um, He's coming off a bit of a splint problem uh, so i would expect to see him late in the spring but he's a, he's he's a really fast really cool horse i absolutely love him he's he's like a puppy dog he's <laughs> he's a he's a you know he's, he's a warrior on the racetrack and he's a he's a lazy lab in the stall you know I he's like a lap retriever just put his head in your lap and he's just a cool 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 horse and i'll i'll, I'll get i'll be spending some time with him i'll still have mm-hmm. my pony and so when I get out there on, on my my uh, little yellow Joe uh, in the morning, I'll get to see some of my buddies uh, training, too. So uh, but yeah, I think I think the clear stars horses and Vivian's Philly Shinful coming off a big maiden win. I think she's got a future both on the turf and on the dirt. Uh, and I think Dave Donk will have a lot of fun with her. And there's another Philly in that in that group that'll come back. Philly rang yesterday. He's going to get a little bit of time off. She's going to go to Dave Don two silicon dollars coming off of stakes placing and a win. Um didn't didn't run well yesterday. It's probably a trainer's fault. Um, but uh, that's okay, you know.
0: Well, Rick, we look forward to following all of those horses too. And, uh, I know of course we'll still see you a lot at the racetrack. We'll miss seeing, uh, you running those horses, but, uh, I think uh, on behalf of everyone that's ever met you, I can say from personal experience that you, you are such a class act. You do so much for the industry. Thank you for all you do for aftercare as well. And I hope we get to share the desk on America's day at the races sometime soon too.
1: Yeah, too. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to that. You know, I think probably springtime. Okay. Um, yeah, the hours will pick up a little bit there too, and they may me they may need me to uh, to fill in once or twice. And hopefully, you know, I really enjoy doing it. I love doing it with, with you and everybody. You know, even Andy.
0: It's really <laughs> it's
1: actually fun doing it with Andy. No, I did. It, it, it's a great setup, and uh, the producers and, and the cameramen and everybody behind yeah. the scenes has been really great and supportive and given me tips on... Uh, you know, and how to better my product uh, on, on the air. And I really look forward to it. I enjoy it. And I think it gives a new perspective to the, Mm -hmm. to the viewing audience to see it from a trainer's uh, standpoint, as opposed to strictly handicapping. And um, I look forward to doing that. And I hope I get asked out there uh, to get on the set soon.
0: Well, Rick, enjoy your well-earned retirement, but I think we all know it won't be uh, with nothing left to do. I know you'll still be very busy, but thank you so much for, for coming on the show today.
1: All right. Casey, it's been a pleasure and I'll see you soon.
0: Once again, a huge thank you to Rick Shawsberg for taking the time to come on the show with me today and and reflect back and just the work that he does um, with aftercare. As I mentioned, we talked a lot about throughout the show. He's been such a huge piece of it tirelessly putting his heart and soul into um, the this Red Aftercare Alliance take two and take the lead in New York and just being such a, a great representative and a great person for the horsemen and women um, to turn to as well so uh, I have so much respect and admiration for Rick and um, really really very excited for his next chapter. I'm grateful that he took a little time to reflect back on such a wonderful career with us here um, in the ring. We'll have plenty of more exciting action coming up in 2023. I'm um, really looking forward to kind of getting back into uh, the excitement as we start thinking about the Kentucky Derby. I know a lot of people have started thinking about it already, but of course, as those preps races uh, start to come back into play, um, looking forward to talking a little bit about that as well. And continuing on uh, with the two-year-old sales coming up in the spring and early summer as well. There's a lot more that we'll have to discuss on this show. So as always, make sure you subscribe to the In The Money Media newsletter. Check out all of the wonderful content from my colleagues over there with all sorts of different topics throughout Horse racing and the industry as a whole. Um, and I will see you next time on in the ring. Thanks as always for joining me and a very happy new year.